0: Welcome to the meant to be outdoors podcast where our goal is to connect listeners to the great outdoors with hosts, Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandel. I'm
1: host Ben Brandel, owner of meant to be outdoors, instructor of outdoor skills and passionate about personal
0: growth. I'm host Brian Hoffmeyer, wildlife biologist and avid outdoorsman. Welcome back to the meant to be outdoors podcast. I'm your host Brian with my co-host Ben Brandel. Welcome into another Tuesday episode. This is going to be our third episode in our evolution versus creation series we hope that you have been enjoying the first couple episodes if you haven't got a chance to listen to them yet we're kind of tying all this together so jump back a couple weeks and, and grab the defining truth and then the evolution episode but today we're going to be diving into creation and really looking at why we should even be studying creation why and it's an account and not just a theory and then going over giving that account going over those those six days and why we believe that this should be taught should be being taught in our schools, and and, um, it's hard to believe that it's not. But, Ben, why don't you go ahead and get us started and explain why we believe that we should be studying the creation account.
1: The creation account is the explanation for origins, period.
0: So that that alone is why we should do it, because it it tells us where we came from. Right. Jumping back to our first episode in the series, Defining Truth. Truth is God's Word. Mm Mm-hmm. And God's word gives the account of creation, how the earth came to be, how humans originated, how we got our plants, our animals, our stars, our air, even
1: darkness. Right. Knowing where we come from is extremely important. So extremely important that everyone is trying to find the answer to that question Mm -hmm. is where do we come from? That's the question. Yeah.
0: Beginning and end, life and death, science can't answer those. So people want to say evolution is science, but as we've as we've explained in these previous episodes, a lot of the ways that it's derived and called truth is air. There's so much air in it, and um, if you don't turn to God's word, then you're not actually getting the truth. But the origins matter greatly. Yeah, let me say it this way: that if if mankind
1: is just the end result of mindless natural processes, because we talked about that when we talked about evolution, Mm -hmm. these natural processes. Even in the evolution, they, I think even said it was like over billions, right? I think I I said 4 billion, you said like 3 billion. Right. We don't know how many billions, so it's always a guess, but we'll say 4 billion years ago. If that's the point, then our lives, I mean, I think, Brian, really mean nothing and everything we do is basically pointless because... Mm -hmm. It's just too much, too big, billions and billions and billions and billions of years. Um, yeah, if, if we just came from this this in, this mindless natural process, then what is the point? And there there really wouldn't be for me.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and that, and that's that. People try to answer that. What is the point of life? Um, and science is never going to give you that answer. Science can't give you that answer if you strictly look at the scientific method where science is derived. It's not. You can't even apply it. Mm-hmm. To, to answer that question. So that's why I'm glad that we have something that we can turn to to, to get that question answered. You know, I want to address uh, Christians specifically here as, as we're getting started. We live in a world today where we are inundated with all kinds of information. Um, a lot of it may be sided with things that are considered to be factual and some that are not. We have to be careful what we think in each of those things, But it leaves so many Christians wondering, okay, could it be a mix? Could we, what they call theistic evolution, could it be a God-created process? Is is there anything for me in the Old Testament? Is, Is it just a New Testament? I have had people tell me, you know what, I believe in God, but I only believe in the first five books. I only believe in the gospel accounts in the New Testament. Man, that is... That's hard for me to respond to because there's so many things that I want to say. But what I really want to address is the creation account is given in the book of Genesis. Mm -hmm. Specifically the first couple chapters. It's how the Bible starts. And there's a reason that the Bible starts that way. Because without that, then everything after it would not matter. So if you are somebody hearing this and you're saying, well, I don't read much the Old Testament or I believe the New Testament, but not the Old Testament, it doesn't apply... You can't have the New Testament without the Old, the Old Testament. It's, it's irrelevant without the other one. And, and let me kind of explain what I'm saying here. There are 200 quotations or references to Genesis in the New Testament. So if you're looking through the New Testament, the writers refer 200 different times back to the Old Testament. 100 of those are direct references to the first 11 chapters of Genesis And every one of those 11 chapters is referred to somewhere in the New Testament. And each New Testament author is referring somewhere in the writings to Genesis chapter 1 through 11. Jesus himself even quoted the first 11 chapters of Genesis on six different occasions in the New Testament. If that isn't weighty enough for you, if that doesn't tell you it's important that Jesus himself was quoting Genesis then I don't know what else I can say to you that's going to make you feel that the Old Testament is important and that that creation, particularly chapter 1 through 11, is important to everything, to us, to our origins, to Jesus, to God, to the Holy Spirit, everything that's in the Bible. It was all present there in the beginning as we're going to talk about, but it's so important to understand the connection to all of it. So to help you understand
1: chapters 1 through 11, you know we're talking about It gives us the creation account, where our origins came from, how they were placed. Then it moves into the fall of man. Then it moves into what we talk about, the global flood. And then we get into really the Tower of Babel, where people were were separated. So that's what's within chapters 1 through 11. And that's why a lot of people study Genesis 1 through 11. You know, as we go through the day-to-day account, that's going to be up in Genesis 1, and, and we're going to talk a little more about 2. So we're going to dig into what those are in those right. chapters. Um, but chapters 1 through 11, there is so much to unpack. If you haven't spent time in those chapters, read them. We probably will not be covering all of that in this podcast today. Yeah.
0: We don't, there's not enough, not enough time in this day for <laughs> yeah. that, but we are going to definitely highlight some of the important things. You know, it's just really fundamental and key to believe in Genesis. If you really want to fully understand God's word, if you want to have a better understanding of God's word, that starts with believing in Genesis and starting with the, the, what the origin is. And there's this argument that there's actually two different accounts. and, And we may get a chance to cover that here, but there's this argument that chapter one and chapter two gives two different accounts. And that's where you get the old earth versus new earth theory. But, I want to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33. And that states, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. When I read that in Corinthians, it makes me want to take Genesis for what I read. It's not meant to be confusing. It's not meant to spin you out. Read it, and what it says to you is the truth you don't have to take all this spin and say well what if this and what if that god wants you to understand where you came from so read it and what it tells you about where you came from is where you came from that's the truth yes i will
1: add to to help with what brian's talking about here would be we're going to keep a day as a day so all kinds of different viewpoints and perspectives you know when we look at genesis it's a historical document that's how you and i are looking at it um also on that piece a day is a day so Jonah was in the whale he was in the whale for three days not three thousand right tells us days he was in there let's just say that that the Bible said that Jonah was in in the whale's belly for one night I'd take it for it wouldn't be 1, one billion night. years wow. if it's it's one night we take it for what it's telling us and that's what we're doing here and and so to start this off before we even get into the account talking about it that's what we're standing on, that's what we're discussing, is, is we're taking this literally, it's, it's exactly what it's saying. Yes. I do want to share, though, that growing up, I didn't understand or what was never really taught this account. Even though I had access to the Bible, I read it, never really processed through, oh my gosh, this is where we come from and this is how we, we got to where we're at today. Just never, was never taught that, never, never thought that. And so to, as we get older, as we learn more, as we take in information, it opened my eyes to really these, these two, two types of accounts. We have the biblical history and we have the secular history. And so here are some of the sides that you were starting to talk about and I want to share. So on your biblical history side, you have earth is thousands of years old. You kind of said old earth, new yeah, earth. Roughly
0: 6,000 is going to be that. You
1: belief. know, the biblical account, what people on the, the new earth is going to say 6,000 mm-hmm. years. The secular history is going to tell us that earth is billions of years old. Biblical history is going to teach us that life comes from a living God. The secular history is going to tell us that life comes from non-living matter and energy. That's why when people are like, man, you put off good energy, just, oh, I hate hearing that because I'm like, are you meaning like that kind of energy? Like, anyway, life comes from non-living matter and energy. That's crazy for me to understand and believe. Then we have the biblical history, which is creatures are well-designed by a supernatural creator. On the other side, the secular history is going to teach us that creatures are cobbled together by natural processes. Then on biblical history account, we have members of the same kind are related. On the secular history side, all creatures are related. So we're created, you know, we, we as humans are related to bees. Turtles. Turtles. Yeah. yeah. Worms, right? Again, the biblical history side is going to tell us that members of the same kind are related all humans are related to humans, dogs to dogs. Next is that the biblical history is, is going to teach us that death occurs after sin entered the world. Secular history is going to teach us that death occurs before sin entered into the world. So, mm-hmm. going to kind of share those high levels. We're going to break a little bit of those down as we go through the, the six days and, and a few chapters after. Um, but why is the world so perfectly fit for life, but at the same time full of M? perfections. Can't wait to dig in and look at what those things are.
0: Yeah, let's start with this. You know, when you talk about evolution, it's often referred to as a theory, and creation is an account. And and I like it being referred to that way, but why is it referred to that way, Ben? Why is it the creation account that we're about to go over today and not the creation theory?
1: As Christians, we understand that this Bible is truth, and truth, what it's telling us the first chapters of this book, like the first verses chapters is literally getting into our origins account and it's literally laying out account for what took place. And he also tells us that he is truth. This is truth. This actually explains to me better than anything else I have found on this earth of our origins, what took place, even though no human was standing there present, while it was all taking place, a human was given this information to help share what took place in the beginning, and it gave us the account of our origins. Yeah, absolutely. Today, our evolution understanding gives us all theories. I can get behind a few theories, but when we talk about theories, they're, they're really guesses. They're thoughts, they're ideas that are sometimes tested. Sometimes we can't even test them. They're just really good thoughts or ideas. And that's all they are for me. Mm-hmm. And I, I struggle to put all of my hope and belief in those when a lot of times it's just this this idea that has been tested. Some would say, well, they, they qualify, they've passed this test for this test, and so we're going to put them and, and share them as truth. Right. And a lot of them I can agree with, and a lot of them I cannot. Um, whereas when I turn to the Genesis account... Phew, Man, it just it makes sense, Brian. Yeah, it and it's
0: sense. it's historical. This is this is a recording of history. Mm-hmm. You know, when you when you look at evolution, there's there's it's not historical. There's no documents referring to um, what they believe happened because <laughs> nobody was there and and, and it didn't happen. Uh, but this is a historical document. Therefore, it is an account. It's not a theory. This is a. a looking back at, at what truly happened. It is the truth. And Ben, why don't you get us started with, with day one? Let's give the account. Let's do our our honor to God and read his truth on these microphones.
1: All right, so we're going to open up Genesis. Uh, when we come to Genesis 1-1, it's going to say, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So that kind of sets it up. Brian was talking earlier about some people believe that's like this first earth thing and billions of years and all that. That's just an overview. And now we're getting into the actual breakdown of the account. Mm-hmm. So let's get into it. So we're looking at the six days of creation. This is Genesis 1, verse 3. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. Now, we are literally taking that as day one. Mm-hmm. We know that that is a 24 hours, day one.
0: Oh, evening and morning. We see evening and morning now.
1: Right. So God, really here, God establishes what we would call time. Right. So he is outside of time. He is now creating time for us. We are in within time, and... You and I can't even really talk more about that because we don't know what it would be to live outside of time. All we know is time. Right. That's crazy. But that's what's created here. So now we have we have time. You also see that he's talking about space. He created the heavens, this, this space. And we also understand that he's beginning to create earth, which we know earth is made of matter. So just in these few verses, we can see God already creating time. He's created space. And he's created a matter. I do want to take it a step further that I've I've only heard from one another person. And this was actually um, Ray Comfort had shared this in, in one of his commentaries. And, and I had to do a little research on it. And I found out in Isaiah 45, 7. It says, I form the light and create the darkness. This is God speaking here. He says, I form the light and create the darkness, and that's in Isaiah 45, 7. When we look at just the day one account, it says, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw the light was good and separated the light from the darkness. I didn't even think about this the very first time I read it, but not only did he create light, he actually had to, he created darkness. There was no such thing as darkness. He created it because he's the creator of everything. Because I've always thought, you know, okay, the absence of light is darkness. Absence
0: of everything is darkness. The right? absence of everything. Yeah. He he created darkness uh-huh. as well,
1: which is crazy, which is awesome. And then another point to be made here is that as we have day one, you know, we have our hours, we have space, we have matter that we're seeing here. We have to take in that he created light. Now, in this account, we know it's not the sun, the moon, the stars, none that's been created yet. There's a lot of theologians, ideas, theories. There's where our theories can come. There's a lot of theories of what, what the light was. Um, some say that was Jesus. Some say that was God. Some say that the light had to be some sort of heat because we had waters and it wasn't frozen. At the end of the day, Kim Ham gives me a good explanation of this. He kind of helps me to understand what this what this might be and why God created light but it not being our sun yet.
0: Is M- multiple times in the Bible, in First John and Revelations, the Bible says God is light. Yeah. So,
1: it could be, and that's the whole point that Ken Ham was trying to say that that I agree with is that if he would have created the sun first, then evolutionists today could have said the sun is God. The sun is what everything comes from.
0: Uh, he didn't even want to give that opportunity. Didn't even give him the opportunity. Right.
1: No, he is the creator of all. So he created light, he created darkness, he created time. And that's what I really take away from, from this first day first is day, time. Yeah. We now have time. It is in, it is in the scene. Uh, now we're getting into our day two account. We're going to jump into day two right now. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters and were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening, and there was morning the second day. So now we have day two. And we can already see here, we're, we're talking about evening and morning. You're going to see that. So here on day two, the account, we can see what's created is, is a breakdown of really our atmosphere. Mm-hmm. So we have our atmosphere. He also divided the the surface of water between water. So now we have um, really water on the earth. Right. And now we have this atmosphere that's above our water. And yeah, um, I
0: find day two so interesting because... For life to be sustainable on Earth, our atmosphere is so essential, Mm -hmm. and it's so perfect and calculated. And what we've found by studying other planets is, we're the only one that's got it, right? Yeah, and that we know of. I mean, that we know of. Right, we're we're the only one we we found that has it. And for me, that's like obviously because God created it. It is so perfect. It was. It is essential for life it's the only place that we have found in the universe that has it and that's because it was from god and only he could know these exact calculations that would be needed to sustain life only he can know that
1: not to get off topic here but that's my struggle with going to living on mars that we're gonna have to live in this man-made climate bubble if we can even pull that off right? right so we don't have to even worry about that here Uh, as we start traveling up and out into the atmosphere now we we have to start stressing out
0: bubble it starts giving me bad memories (laughs) of covid and we're just not gonna go down there all
1: right sounds good so we had day two we can also see here on day two though that we have liquid water and that the earth's atmosphere are essential and perfect for you know all the living things that god will be producing and, and creating here soon um God's activities on the second day show that he intended to make earth a special right. place.
0: So after day two, essentially, we have a, a big ball of water with an atmosphere above it, and we have light and darkness and in, in, in time. That's basically what we have after day two.
1: right. Now let's get into day three. We're in Genesis chapter 1, verse 9, and God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth. And the waters that gathered together he called seas, and God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kind, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, third day. Mm -hmm. So now we're on day three. Right. And looking at day three, you can see that god created earth took the shape so now we're earth is really beginning to to form this shape where we're starting to see boundaries for water we're starting to see grass and herbs yeah, and we shrubs got plants and now yeah. got plants here the grass herbs trees they were the first part of of creation and we can really see this is the first time that we start talking about kinds
0: yeah and it would have been so important for um plants to to be made on this day before oxygen breathing creatures were created it it, it was it was essential to be done in this order in this process
1: so you're you're saying that plants could be helping to to make the atmosphere what it is today
0: right well yeah our carbon dioxide and oxygen cycle is (laughs) is largely dependent on plants and the process of photosynthesis so that's why you see plants before animals and humans
1: that's awesome all right now we have day four Day 4 says, Then God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and seasons for the days and years, and let them be for the lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. Then God made two great lights the greater light to rule the day, and the lesser to rule the night. He made the stars also. God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth, and to rule over the day and over the night, and to divide the light from the darkness. And Mm -hmm. God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning or the fourth day.
0: Now, can I point out what I really love about day four? And that's that it's almost like he knew that we were going to doubt the time he created on day one. So he's just really driving it home and reiterating it here. He He's really showing us, just further showing us that there were literal literal days by telling us the purpose of why he created the sun, the moon, and the stars. So that we could tell time, so that we knew what time was. It gives us our years and our seasons and our days without those. So how long is a year? 365 days. And what does that even mean? That's how long it takes us to orbit the sun.
1: He also, well, you just talked about time, but it's also, it says signs and seasons. Mm -hmm. So where we live, man, do we have seasons. Mm.
0: Sometimes all in the same day. Sometimes (laughs) in the same day. This last week. We
1: yeah. had a chance for, uh, we got like in the 60s, which was great because we're in winter, but then the next day it dropped down. We yeah, had it snowed yesterday. Snow, yeah. right, right, right. So we're talking about seasons as well. What do we have to have for seasons, Brian?
0: Well, we have to have uh, the earth on its axis and, and then spinning on that axis and, and actually the orbit around the sun, all that works together um, and changes our distance from the sun, so as we get further away and our days of lightness, our days, our minutes of light during the day get shorter, that causes us to have seasons because it's going to be warmer and, or cooler and less light, and that's where we have our deciduous plants and trees and everything that goes dormant but doesn't die. And then we have our summer season that has these long periods of light uh, throughout the day and more intense light and heat, and, and that's where we get our plants um They grow their leaves back and and produce fruit and and nuts and, and replicate and reproduce themselves.
1: Day five, we're looking at these words. It says, Then God said, Let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament of the heavens. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that moves, with which the waters abounded according to their kind. Right and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters and the seas, and let the birds multiply on the earth. So the evening and the morning were the fifth day.
0: Yes. Man. If you you are an an animal lover like myself, this is is the day you fist pump on because he is creating all the beauty and the wonder that we see in our animal kingdom. There are so many amazing animals out there that just blow your mind how they live and how they work and the way they communicate with each other and the homes that they build for themselves and how they obtain their food. And what is crazy to me is that humans have been here for a long time now and we still find new ones. It's amazing. Right, right. yep. And and uh, so, I love, you know, Ben, you stressed as you read it, the word kind. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you explain why you did that?
1: Because we're we're seeing here that the kinds of animals that were made on day five were animals that would live in the water and fly in the air. Mm-hmm. So there they are.
0: Right. We didn't have to have a, a transition.
1: No, there yeah. was no transition. There were animals that he made for the water, and there were animals that he made that fly there in the air.
0: They were made as is.
1: So... Because of science that we have today, we understand that birds fly. Mm-hmm. They're in the air. People listening, are like, no duh. That's well. That's my point. Like that, those are the kinds. Birds are their kind. I'm not going to be able to to find a land animal such as a horse flying because a horse is its own kind. Right. A bird is its own kind. We also see here on day five that we start getting into what's called reproduction. Mm-hmm. So birds and, and fish are starting to...
0: Yeah, and he's telling us, he tells us that's only between the same kind. Right. A, a bird with a bird, a fish with a fish, it's between the same kind. And we see that today. We don't see kinds change. We don't see it. You, you don't plant an acorn and get a walnut tree. You don't right, you can correct. you can do it ten million times and you're never it is according to kinds. We've never seen that change, we're never going to see that change, and yet so many people doubt that but we have a historical document that tells us that's how it is and we see it how it is today, so why would we doubt it? Right. The book tells us and we witness it, so why would we think anything else?
1: You know, also on day five we can we can actually see her and think through this that these creatures could now move on their own, whereas plants couldn't. So, these are the first set of creation that can now start moving out, moving on their own. Mm-hmm. Right? There's no plants aren't moving.
0: Yeah, multiply and fill the earth. It's giving you that sense of go as go out and fill what I've created.
1: Right. Then we're looking at day six. Then God said, "Let the earth bring forth the living creature according to its kind." cattle and creeping thing and beast of the earth each according to its kind and it was so and god made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind and god saw that it was good then god said let us make man in our image after our likeness and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth.
0: Mm -hmm. And again, I want to point out, take this for what it says. It's not supposed to be confusing. It is straightforward. God wants you to understand it. He wants you to believe it so that you can go on through the rest of the book and and accept salvation from his son because it's fundamental to believe where you came from to, to even get to that point. Um, He made man, and he made female. Um, And he doesn't give a whole lot of other options there. And even in our Christian culture, there are so many groups that are using this word acceptance. Um, And while that feels loving, acceptance is not love. Actually, acceptance is hatred. Because if you start accepting something that could send somebody to hell, that isn't love. So we have to be so careful of that. Let's read the Bible. Let's read our origin. Let's take it for what it says. Let's share that in a loving way instead of accepting alternatives.
1: That's a good point, Brian. I'm going to, as it continues on, to say that, And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of Life, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good, and there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Mm -hmm. That is the creation account. Creation account takes place in six days, because on the seventh day, God rested. Mm -hmm. That's a holy day. It's an awesome one to to really talk about and dig into, but we're going to really sit here and, and discuss just a little bit more in detail that sixth day creation account, the Bible tells us that everything was created in six days, literal six days. So six days, that they're made up of 24 hours, which today living, if you're living and breathing and you're listening to our words right now, that means that you are a part of a seven day week. Right. Seven day week. And we can see that there was a six day creation account with a seventh day being holy, which is to rest and to not work right
0: it's a complete system yeah this this time from from our seasons to our atmosphere to our to our stars it's it's all a complete system uh we have our 24-hour days we have our seven-day weeks our 30-day months our 12 months in a year our 365 days in a year. It's a complete system. And if you remove any of that, it throws all of that off and it, it's not made up. You're not going to find the person or any historical document besides the Bible that tells you who created that we have 365 days, years, because it comes. Science is of God. We know how long it takes us to travel around the sun and how long it takes us who spin on our axis we even know the angle of our axis and that it's essential to the seasons and that our earth works it's all essential it all has to be together it is a complete system and if you remove any part of that it is no longer complete and it no longer works the way that it does
1: i want to talk about a day real quick so um 24 hours we can see that evening and morning made it very clear for each of those days and each of those days then added up to a seven which equals a week what I find interesting though is that the number seven honestly isn't a natural number that we find out anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, if you look at animals, majority of the time it's an even number eight legs, two legs, four legs. Seven is just so strange, right? right? So to find this just a natural, this natural, what we would call this natural occurring thing of seven doesn't really add up, honestly, except for in this creation account of God saying, I've made things in, in six days. And on this seventh, I will rest from it. Now, not to get into the biblical side of all this in regards to what the seventh day is of being holy and rest, it's more for us as man and his creation than it is for himself. Right. He is stating for us that we need to keep this day holy. It's a day to rest and to, to really spend time in him, Right. honestly. But back to the account.
0: Yeah, well, On on the sixth day, something I want to point out that I think a lot of people maybe look past or um, haven't even really stopped to think about it, I guess, is what he tells us he gave us to eat. He doesn't say animals. Now, I'm not a vegetarian, and I think that we should be eating animals, and we're going to get into the curse here in a minute, but he tells us that he gave us the plants and the fruits and the herbs for food and it was so we it was everywhere walking in the garden it was there we didn't have to go out and look for it and search for it there wasn't this killing there wasn't death yet because the curse had not happened and it's kind of crazy to think about that there was a time where we didn't have to hunt and kill for sustenance we didn't have to farm for sustenance because it was perfect at this point. Everything was still perfect. And I also want to point out, as you go to the end of this book, Revelation, he tells us how it's going to be again. And he says it's going to be perfect again. It's mm-hmm. going to be like this again. Amen, yeah. Yeah. So, Ben, that really kind of seg- segues us into the curse. What what happened from us just being here um, in, in perfection, in God's presence, eating herbs and fruits and plants and, and, and naming animals, what happened?
1: Yeah, so he gave us this understanding that we have dominion over all these things, which that's exciting for me because Brian Hoffmeier is one of my best friends, and he loves biology. He loves the study of life. He... <laughs> He loves all these animals. He's talked about and shared just how passionate he is for all these creatures. And God told us to have dominion over those things. And I see that it's, that's why you like it. Right. Like,
0: I don't think if we had the dominion over it, you'd probably even care. Right. Well, that's where science comes from. Science, he gave us science to have dominion, to, to study it, um, and to learn from it, and to care for it. And, and it's not just caring for animals. I I do believe that you can tell the condition of a a man's heart by how he treats his animals because the Bible tells us to feed and water and care for our animals. But it's even our land and our plants. And as we go, not that we shouldn't go and manipulate it and use it. We, We are to do that as well, but we need to respect it and nurture it. And as we see things being overrun by invasive species or completely clearing out and clear-cutting forests we do need to step in we do need to take care of all of our plants and animal species keep them where they're supposed to be and care for them make sure they're not going extinct because they're gods and god gave them to us and we are gods too
1: looking at this creation account everything in there was perfect it was perfection perfection was there when god placed man and woman into the garden of eden and so we have this, everything was perfect. That's why we didn't have man-eating beast because there was no death at this time. And people are like, well, you're killing plants. Well, it clearly shows that these plants produced fruit or actually the trees produced fruit and the plants produce seeds. And we see that we eat those today. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're still eating those today. And you're not killing the, the plant or the tree when you're doing that. So there was no death at that time. And so when we look at, evolution account my question to evolution and all the the theorists of evolution would be where does death come from now when i've asked that question before they've shared with me well our cells if you don't know about science and they they give me this breakdown of what happens to our cells in the body and that they you know eventually begin to stop die well my question is why
0: (laughs) why Why? where where
1: does that death of the cell come from because that's your, been my your question. Is that's literally what
0: I'm asking? Yeah, you. Why yeah, does exactly. That happen? Yeah,
1: you know, being told all this information and and thankfully having somewhat of a smart enough brain to process through. What are they telling me? And does this make sense? The one thing that comes about is that death doesn't make sense without this fall and. Mm-hmm. For us to have death, then when we're asking those questions, you know, when we study evolution, when you look at evolution, evolution, everything should be getting better and better and better and better.
0: And we can look out and see that that is not truth.
1: No, matter of fact, right now in this moment,
0: we can we have this feeling inside of like something isn't right right now. Right. Something I find so incredibly contradictory is this idea of of climate change and that our our earth is deteriorating that we have holes in our in our ozone and in our atmosphere that we're getting worse and those are the same people they're going to yell at me that evolution is true and that I need but those two things don't add up they're completely contradictory of
1: each so you know if you're thinking about evolution everything should be getting better because that's the whole point whether yep. you want to talk about natural selection or the process of that's why a cow has four stomachs now instead of one because it's it's keeping him alive longer. Right. Right. Or the coloration of camouflage. But when we look at evolution today, we can look out and see that the earth is changing. Things are dying, decaying. It it isn't good. Species are going extinct. Species have went extinct. Yeah, we've lost many, and if we don't continue to take care of them as you said, we're going to lose more. Right. So where does de- where does death come from? And that's why I, I love truth and I love the Bible so much because it, it truly shares it. So right.
0: Let, let's let's start in Genesis chapter 2, um, verse 16. So we, we've got Adam and Eve. He placed them in the garden. And in chapter 2, verse 16, he says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge and good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of that, you shall surely die.
1: Now, I, I, I want to, to take this to another level really fast. God is, is showing us when we have dominion that he gave us, he is the leader of our lives, he is the one over our lives, whether you want to believe in him or not, he's over your life because he is yeah. the authority. He's number one.
0: He shows it here real quick.
1: And he shows it here very, very quickly to the very first man and woman.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And he is making clear Expectations. He is setting clear expectations for those that he loves. He loves them. He made them. He loves it, and he is setting expectations for them to follow,
0: just like we do for the people we love. We, we should. do that for our children. Well, hopefully, you yeah. are. We set expectations for them because we care for them. Because we love we them. We care for their safety. We love them. Right. You do that for your children. He is very clearly showing his love by giving them expectations right here in chapter two.
1: This may hurt feelings, but I feel like I need to say it. If you're not setting expectations for your children, and you're not holding them to those expectations, you're going to have children that you're going to have a hard time not only taking care of in that moment, but when they get into their teenage years, when they don't rely on you anymore, Mm -hmm. they will do what they want which is usually worldly. Yeah.
0: We, and whether they're going to acknowledge it or whether you want to acknowledge it, whether we acknowledge it or not, we want expectations. Whether it's an unconscious, we, we want expectations so that we know what we're doing.
1: I'll say it. I think we as humans want structure. Well, yeah. We want structure. Well, and a part of that structure that. is going to be the expectations. Mm-hmm. So the number one authority In all of everything, because he's outside of time, he is Lord, he is the creator, he's the the intellectual being, the intelligent being. He says to them, do not do these things. If you do, there will be consequences. And that's where we go. We quickly see that we have a, let's go to three.
0: Well, yeah, we, we can go to three. And I got a little out of order there. I said, Adam and Eve were in the garden. Those instructions were given to Adam, the man, before he even created woman. Those instructions not to eat of, not to eat from the, the tree of knowledge and good and evil. Those were given to Adam. That was his responsibility. He was now given leadership. You see this first sign of leadership being given to man. Here we go, Brian. We're going
1: to get into the false. We're looking at Genesis 3. 3.1 says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field than the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die.
0: So the fall of man really starts in Genesis chapter 3. Basically, um, you you have the serpent or, or Satan coming to Eve, the woman, um, and, he, and he starts questioning God and questioning her, and, and this is where you really first see temptation. And temptation, we can see here, comes from Satan. This isn't God doing this. This is the serpent, and he's basically saying, well, did God really say that you should not eat of every tree in the garden? And then the serpent says to her, you won't surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So he's kind of painting this picture that like, well, God's actually just trying to stay God. He doesn't want you to know what he knows.
1: Yeah, he's twisting God's
0: word. He's twisting God's word. He's a liar. And and that's something he still does to us today. Um, And and this gets Eve. Um, So she sees now that the tree was good for food. It can be eaten. It was pleasant to the eyes. The tree was desirable to make one wise. So she took its fruit and she ate it. And then she also gave it to her husband, Adam, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings.
1: This is the very first time that we see our first line of shelter. <laughs> yeah. Brian and I teach survival, and we teach a lot about shelter building. And before we even get into anything in the outdoors of shelter building, we first have to take care of our clothing. Mm-hmm. And this is where we see it first. We see that, that the very first clothing we had was plant, plant-based. plant And we also see here that now we have sin.
0: It's the first sin.
1: And so as we continue on in the Bible, the Bible makes it clear that the wages of sin— Is death the wages of sin? So, and
0: and that's and that's where a lot of people can take this wrong because the Bible states that the wages of sin is death. So, when you look back at God saying, If you eat of this tree, when he's telling Adam, You will surely die, he wasn't striking them down, he wasn't, he didn't, they ate it and he did not strike them down dead. But now they have a death penalty, they have a death sentence. Mm -hmm. Because they've sinned and and now their debt has to be paid.
1: You will surely die. And they did. They died, just not in that second, in that moment, Mm -hmm. as some people are interpreting that as. So Adam and Eve eventually died. You and I will eventually die. That is where death comes from. The wages of sin is death. And that account makes so much sense. We can also see in here as we read, um, God actually clothed them. He actually gave them different clothing than what they made for themselves. God... That was the first sacrifice that you're going to see in the Bible. God had to kill an animal because he clothed them in animal skin. Yeah. So we see we see the first sacrifice there that God did to the animal. Um, you know, you can see that in the Old Testament as sacrifices yeah. take place. Blood,
0: blood had to be spilled. There was bloodshed. Yeah. Right. Which because of what they'd done.
1: Right, and and closing that up really quickly. That's that actually explains why we. Saw sacrifices all the way up to Jesus Christ being right. our sacrifice. The
0: final, yeah, the final bloodshed.
1: Right. The final bloodshed and the, his last words on the cross were, It is finished because he had to pay
0: he for paid all of the wages of all of our sin.
1: The sin. Yeah. Right. And he paid for that. Right. And that's why he overcomes death. That's why we as Christians place him as our God. We believe in him. And by believing in him, we can go to heaven because those those wages have been paid by him. Our debt is free because we are in debt because we are sinners. Again, comes from right here. The wages of sin is death. It does. So now that we have death on this earth, man, everything's changed. We we have sin. We have death. We have the curse as well. And I do want us to read really quick this curse. All right, so let's let's check out the curse. This is Genesis 3. Verse 14, says the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all the beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. I'm going to pause there a second. We've, We've had this. We've actually discussed this before in one of our past podcasts. Yeah. But... A lot of people do not love snakes. They don't like snakes. They don't respect snakes. They have this true fear mm-hmm. of snakes. And I just find it so crazy that without that being taught, we still have that in us. And we read here, he clearly says, he will bruise your head yeah, and you shall bruise his heel. It's this fear that, that's been placed. But anyway, we're going to move on. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbirth. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return.
0: Yep, and now you get this, you see all yeah, all these nasty plants, the thorns. And so as I read this, and one of my least favorite, not my least, my single least favorite plant ever is a honey locust tree. It's got these huge thorns on it. Um, and we used to joke as we were cutting them down. These are from the devil, but you can see here, I guess technically they could be from the devil because without the devil, none of this this would have happened. But you can see here that this, they're cursed. Now we have these, our plants are changed. They're not even as desirable as before. But he's telling Adam, you've got to go work the field now. You've got to go out. You've got to go work this to harvest it. You're going to have sweat on your face if you're going to eat bread. You, mm-hmm. You've got to have it right mm-hmm. here. Um, turn the ground for out of it you were taken. You were you are, you are taken of this ground, and now you must work it. Now you have dominion over it. It is yours, um, and that's kind of the curse that he was given to man.
1: Right. When you look at Genesis overview, God gave Adam tasks to do in the garden, and those tasks were to name the animals. He gave right. him this dominion, name these animals for me. Um, that was fun. We were supposed to do that. But now we can see that labor has come yeah. into play.
0: Agriculture, cultivation, work.
1: We, now we have to work the land, right. whereas before it just did it did it on its yep. own. You walked it,
0: while you were under the shade tree, you grabbed a pear. Yeah. Or what yeah, whatever w- was
1: there. That was awesome. Today we that's why we have farming. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's why we have farming. It's why we have agriculture like Brian's talking about. Um, we have to work it. And that's from the curse. And the curse actually explains so much of what's happening outside, which is opposite of evolution. It's why everything is getting worse and worse and worse outside. Mm-hmm. Things are getting worse, and they're going to, because the Genesis is the account of the beginning. And at the very last, in the very end of this book we call the Bible, it's called Revelation. And that book actually explains that things are going to continue right. to decay and get worse and worse. There's going to be death until Jesus Comes back, and that's where we're at today. And 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 as we look at this account, man, as Brian and I, as we go outside, we live in it. We love playing in it. We're we're exploring in it. We're taking people out and teaching them outdoor skills and new things. We see so much of the creation account every day. We also, as Brian studies it, and and as other men and women are studying this, and they they reveal more to us, it explains so much more about. A creator mm-hmm. than it does a nothing absolutely just this random process of of whoops here it is yep that you've said this before you have to have more faith to believe in evolution than you do in
0: creation right creation creation gives you all the signs and points to a divine creator because most of what you see out there is so complex and so wonderful and so beautiful when you start to study it from the way that our soil works and all the microorganisms and, and funguses and molds and everything that has to be present just to get grass and the grass that's needed for the cow. It all has to be there And we look at it and it seems simple, but it is so complex and perfect. And then when you look and see that one microorganism being removed from it would take down the whole thing, it's like, well, who would have thought to even put that microorganism there? Nobody on earth is smart enough for that. But we have a divine creator who is and built all of this. And what breaks my heart is that these truths are not being taught in our public schools. More children are taught in our public schools than in any other education system in our country but we're not even teaching them where they came from or where the things that they're learning about came from we're teaching them about evolution um, and we wonder why our country continues to get worse why we continue to see more and more evil in our country it's because we have removed god and we are getting more and more generations behind us, more and more generations under our belt that have been indoctri- indoctrinated with incorrect, aired truth about their origin and where they came from, and we have to have a podcast in an unfinished basement to teach people about where they truly came from, and we're going to continue to get that way if we don't start standing up, stop accepting lies and sharing truth and i'm not saying to be mean and rude do it in the most loving way you can but you have to share truth and when you look at this bible and whatever argument wants to be made that it was written by man that it wasn't god breathed that it's been changed you can find the oldest known bible that we have whatever translation it is and it still says the same as the bibles that we have today And why that is so important is because as you look at this Bible, as you look at what it says about our origins, as you look at what it says about sin and thorns, you see that today. You see the truth. You can go out and witness the truth of the Bible yourself. So whether man wrote it or not, it was God-breathed and it's true. It is not coincidence. This book is not coincidence. Something thousands of years old that is speaking truth and seeing the exact same things that you are able to witness today, it is impossible for that to be coincidence. And that is why we believe in a divine creator.
1: Correct. You shared earlier that the entire Bible references Genesis. It's just, it's Genesis is all over the Bible. And I want to give one example of that. This is Isaiah 45, 6. Actually, I'm going to read you Isaiah 45, 5. I am the Lord and there is no other. There is no god besides me. I will gird you though you have not known me. This is verse 6. That they may know from the rising of the sun to its setting that there is none besides me. Mm-hmm. We just read you the account. We also shared when the sun, the moon, and the stars were created. And right now in this moment, if you're listening, look out, look at don't look at the sun, okay? Look Away, but you can see the sun if you do in okay. your periphery. what's that? So put, some sunglasses put some sunglasses on. on. But my point of that is is it's clearly saying that you will know him mm-hmm. from the rising and the setting of the sun, that there are none besides him. He says, I am the Lord and there is no other. I form the light and create the yeah. darkness.
0: It's his evidence. It's We're evidence the exact everywhere. Distance from the sun that we have to be, we have the moon to provide us light at night. He is saying, look at this wonder of creation. Look at the wonder of the outdoors and nature. It's me. How could it be anything else? Wake up. That's what he's trying to tell people. Here's what we hope. We hope that no matter where your heart or your mind was when you listen to this podcast, we hope that where you're at now. Um, is in a place of, of confidence. Confidence in knowing where you came from. Confidence to share this truth. Confidence in the Bible from the front page to the last page and everywhere in the middle. We hope that you have confidence to share this with your children. And we hope that you have confidence to change your belief if you need to. Because this all leads to a sovereign Savior and Jesus Christ that we see come to earth and die for those wages. And if you look at your life, you know that you've lied. You know that you've cheated. You know that you've sinned. You can read the you can read the Ten Commandments, and as you read down that, if you're like me, you've broken every single one of them. And those are your wages. Those that's your sin, and it had to be paid for. As you can see, that God made Adam and Eve pay for it. But thankfully, he sent Jesus Christ to pay for that for us. And I hope that you have the confidence that because what you witness is true in Genesis, that what you see in Jesus' life is also true. And that if you don't follow Jesus, that you consider giving your life to him today.
1: Brian and I have worked at a lot of places, and, and we had these two viewpoints. And one is louder, has been louder than the other. Evolution has been so loud and this creation account, this understanding of where we come from, has been hushed and quieted for for so long. Well, workplace
0: is one thing, but our, our schools, it's the only thing being taught in our schools.
1: You're correct. But either, no matter what, our world, period, has pushed the truth of God out. And it is so faint that we're, we're trying to yell it as loud as we can. And because...
0: Just, we're just nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody. That's
1: right. And if you believe god's word when you believe in god's word when you believe in jesus you also have to believe in this side because it's the only that makes sense you know you're talking about giving confidence to people listening evolution is founded on that assumption that any species can change into any other species if given enough time right that's why we've got in this billions and billions of years but i want to give you some examples because we saw this this creation account and it talked about kinds and the stickleback fish is, is such an awesome example yep. that a stickleback fish can actually change from being able to live in freshwater and then it can go live in saltwater. But then it can change it back to freshwater. However, though, it still remains a stickleback fish.
0: Always a stickleback fish and always will be a stickleback always will be. fish.
1: You know, we have variations in colors. We can look at the arctic fox versus the Desert fox. Right. Why is that, Brian? Why do they have different colors?
0: Well, it's the conditions of the environment that they live in. So. And, and they, they, inside their genes, they have the ability, um, and and because of a divine creator, their, their bodies know um, which genes to methylate so that those genes are are pushed out to be portrayed is what color fur they have because of what environment they're living in. Perfect. But they're still foxes.
1: Right. And that's the only point that I think I'm trying to make here is that every example of an evolutionary change that you're going to see out in the field or they're going to say that's out in the field or in some lab, Brian, it still depicts those variations within the biblical limits that we've read at all all fits in there. It's all from that, that main source, and that's why it's truth. That's why it will continue to be truth.
0: Yeah, I hope that you, you guys are hearing our conviction and our, and our passion as we're sharing this. Um, we, we we don't want to alienate anyone. We want everyone to listen and hear this, and we hope that you would share that with others. Uh, but do know that we take this with great responsibility, what we're sharing. I personally have studied evolution and I've studied the Bible, both, um, you know, quite quite deeply on both. I'm not going to say I'm a master of either. I'm not a, I'm now a theologian, and I'm not an expert in evolution. But I have a pretty good background in both, um, and I can tell you that um, I see. I've never found a truth in evolution, and any time I thought, oh man, they've kind of there kind of seems like some truth there, as I dive deeper. There's what we call as presuppositions, and they're basically assumptions. Assumptions that have to be made because we don't know the beginning and we don't know the end because science can't study it. That's why you have to turn to the Bible, to the truth. We weren't there in the beginning, and we're not going to be there in our end. Can't study death. That's why we had to have Jesus. I want to try to simplify. I want to end with this. Science is not God. From the evolutionary standpoint, science is God. And God, the Father, does not exclude science. Science should be used to help better understand your God. He gave us this to to study His creation. So science is not exclusive of God, and science is not a God itself. We have a God, the Father, the Creator And science is of him that he gave us as a tool to better understand him and his creation. I really, truly hope that everyone who listened to this feels our love for you. I just want to say thank you for listening. I hope that you've been able to catch every episode of the Evolution vs. Creation so far. Since we started this podcast, this topic has been on our hearts more heavy than anything that we've shared. So I hope that you understand um, the responsibility that we understand as we're sharing it with you. Um, do know that we love you and we're th- very thankful for that. If you appreciate what we're doing, we just ask that you would share it with others. A great way to support us is to leave us a review on whatever platform you're listening. Hit the subscribe and automatic download button so that you get every episode. Uh, we have Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Please follow us on all of those as well. If you feel so inclined to really, really help us continue this and push it forward, this is, this is where you could really, really help us. We have a link in the About section, it's a Linktree link, and as you click on that, you'll see an option for Patreon. If you go to Patreon, you can pledge to donate to us either five, ten, or twenty-five dollars a month, and that will help us, uh, whether it's getting new equipment or having guests on to continue the podcast as well. Ben, do you have anything you want to say before we wrap up?
1: Resources. If you're looking for resources, some of the resources we use today. Yeah. There's a book we have called Guide to Creation. It is from the Institute for Creation Research. If you look that up, you can find it. Also another resource, this is from Kim Ham, The author is Kim Ham. The title is Creation to Babel. Mm-hmm. It's such an awesome read and
0: explanation breakdown. And then, Brian, what else do we have? Yeah, one more I'll throw in for you. is called the Evidence Study Bible, and this is put together by Ray Comfort. Why I love it is because it is it is the Bible, but as you read through it, you're going to find things, ex- excerpts from Ken Ham's book. He's collaborated with all of these other books and authors and put it all into one resource in one place. So as you read through, um, when you read the Bible, you'll have these questions that come up. And what's so cool is they have these questions and objections answered for you right there as you read. Again, thank you for listening. That is going to be it for this episode of the meant to be outdoors podcast we will be back on thursday with another episode and as always we hope that between now and that episode you find time to get outdoors thank you for listening to the meant to be outdoors podcast hosted by brian hoffmeyer and ben brandell please help us by subscribing also follow along on tiktok instagram and facebook